For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with BMAC, Brian McKinney, who played for the Minnesota Vikings for about one decade. We're here with Sally from Minneapolis, Ron from Eden Prairie, and our special guest tonight is John Krasinski from The Athletic. He covers the Vikings. And what a perfect week to have that gentleman on to go over all of the influx matters. It's arguably the most momentous change-oriented week for the Vikings I'd say in 15 years. So we'll dig into that. GM, quarterback, coach, all of that. That's what we got on the agenda. First, we're going to pay homage to our sponsor, who's betonline.ag. And they would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue their march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website design. Go over there and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use this code, B-L-E-A-V, just like in the name of our show, Believe, to get things started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. John, welcome to the show tonight. How are you, good sir? Doing great, Dustin, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to do this. Likewise, it's it's good to finally finally connect with you. So, in the in the off chance that our, our listeners aren't familiar with your work, uh, you work for the Athletic, correct? That's right. I cover and, the Vikings and the Timberwolves for the Athletic. Been there for almost four years now. Okay, wonderful. And how long have you been in the Minneapolis media market? Since uh, two thousand one, mm-hmm. uh, right out of school, two thousand one. Um, yeah, so I've been here a while now, twenty years. It's kind of crazy to say I've been doing anything <laughs> for twenty years, but here I am. And uh, per usual, we have Brian McKinney uh, on the panel tonight, and you remember him. You know him, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, from back in the day. Brian is one of my favorites. I I always tell this story when, you know, my friends would always ask me about uh, what it's like to cover the Vikings, be around these dudes and and stuff. And I was, you know, it was always great. But the, the, the story I always tell about McKinney is like um, back in the Metrodome, when uh in the preseason you remember brian like in the preseason you have so many more players on the team and so you have these rows of lockers in the middle of this of of what was already a small locker room so there was nowhere to move anywhere at all and um you know i'm 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 a little guy i'm five seven hundred and fifty five pounds and and brian obviously is a huge guy and so i was kind of maneuvering through the locker room trying to just get to guys to talk to and interview 
uh, Big Mac is just like he just gotten undressed and, and and showered and stuff, and he was getting ready to kind of get out the door, and he was just trying to squeeze by all of us and step over pads and stuff, and I swear to you, barely touched me. And I, I like got tossed across the room. Like it was, it was like, you know, I mean, it, it was just a graze of his arm, but he's, you know, he is a big, big dude and I am not a big dude. And he gave me a little bit of a ride. So it was, uh, it was a good time. Now you know how D lineman felt. In that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I was just like, I cannot imagine trying to get around this dude to get to the quarterback. So <laughs> Right. When I when you and I first started the show in August of 2020, uh, I know the ESPN radio guy here in my uh, hometown of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I told him I was like, they just reached out to me and they said I could do a show with Bryant McKinney. And what he said is he's like, do you have any idea how big of a human being that is? And I was like, I was like, no, I've watched him. I grew up cheering for him. He's like, no, in person. The guy, the guy is humongous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you've got a to that bryant you know your counterpart um phil lodeholt you know uh-huh. i ran into him at uh the eden prairie lifetime here a few times and uh so i know i don't know which one of you is actually bigger but that's the only that's the biggest comparison i have and uh yeah, me, yeah. i'm also f- five seven on a good day but uh a little more than uh than than 155 but we'll leave it at that no yeah it was a uh, it's very uh harrowing looking at a human that size and uh and uh yeah so. hey <laughs> makes, Sally. Make, makes me feel better about flying though like you know and sitting in coach or something that's right that's what i always say oh, yeah it's a, it's a you know it's a big man's world except for when you get on a plane uh you know and then we got all the leg room we and we're running the show the and <laughs> well remember the vikings made bryant fly and coach when he flew here after on draft day brutal yeah all right <laughs> all right all right sally we had humongous news and i'll argue the biggest i guess wave of change for the minnesota vikings in probably arguably 15 16 years and to the surprise of some of us maybe not you uh rick spielman was terminated almost like the first line of business at least the way it was reported in my interpretation and i think of the group here i'm not sure about john i think you're the most vocal that it was time to go move on from spielman so yes. a were you surprised and b are you excited for the future. Oh my gosh. I don't even think it has sank in yet. That's Mm -hmm. how surprised I am about it. Um, So like the Vikings actually reached out to me and asked me to be um, a guest of theirs to the game on Sunday, which was obviously like, what you guys want me to be your guest. Okay. Uh, So I obviously had a great time on Sunday. Plus the game ended up being really fun. And so I stayed up a little late and when I woke up at like 10, 30, 11, um, everything had already hit the fan. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot to take in all at once. And I I am really surprised. I've never been a big fan of Rick Spielman rather than that couple year stretch at, right after Zimmer got here. As far as drafting goes, I personally wanted to go after messing up the Christian Ponder pick back in the day. So I... And I've said this whole time, all I want is fresh eyes looking at this at this thing. And I don't want Rick Spielman figuring out these major moves. So I'm happy, but I'm feeling very apprehensive right now about what's going to happen. Well, it's changed. And so it comes with a whole new whole new seatbelt you have to learn and all that. So, John, here's the deal. We're going to go through the big stuff, the GM, the coach, the quarterback over the next 40 minutes or so. And I, if, if you're able, I want you to offer kind of 
your predictions. And I always get confused with some of the, some of the gentlemen like yourself who've worked in the market for 20 years. I don't know if you like these teams or not. So <laughs> if, you, if you have a like a personal preference, you can throw that in there too. Um, but based on the general manager, do you have like a, a, a way that you're leaning at what they're looking for, a type or an age or what do you got? Yeah, you know, like it, it, it's um, a lot of times when these things happen, I feel like as a reporter, um, I, I kind of have a good idea of how the process is going to work. But this is a unique one because Rick Spielman was there for 16 years. Uh, they have not, the, the Will family has not done a a search for a president of, basketball, of football operations, of a GM, whatever you want to call him for a very long time. And so it's a little bit hard to get a read on exactly what they're going to be looking for in terms of, you know, do they want a young guy, kind of an innovator, that kind? Do they want someone who's been in it before and and has a lot of experience as as a GM and can kind of just come in and and hit the ground running right away that way? So like in talking to people who kind of are are on the periphery of the search and 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 trying to figure that out as well. It seems like they're going to cast a super wide net. So they're going to look at all sorts of different types of options, you know, and and then try and come, you know, whittle it down over a little bit of time. I don't think it's going to happen right away. You know, I don't think this is going to be a very a super fast search that's going to take a little time for them to do their interviews to do their due diligence and and things like that. I, you know, personally, whenever these things come up, I always try to look at what, you know, what, who out there is doing a great job. And to me, who's got the best roster in the league right now, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the best roster in the league. And so I would go, you know, after someone on that staff underneath Jason light and see if like, if, if there's some interest there, that would be my preference is, you know, you look at the way they've drafted, the way they've signed free agents, not just Tom Brady, but mm-hmm. but all over the field um, and, and, and built such a strong roster. I mean, that would be somebody high on their list. I also know that they had a lot of reservations with how the communication kind of broke down as in, later on in the Spielman Zimmer era. So they might look for someone who is kind of outgoing that way, maybe a Lewis Riddick for ESPN or somebody like that who is kind of you know, really a, a good communicator and understands kind of the politics of the position as well as, you know, the talent evaluation. So I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of people that they go after and go and, and go look at. But, you know, I, I would start at the top at, at, of those teams that are just stacked with talent and try and find someone that can really do a good job drafting and, and, and try and bring some more talent in because I think they need a lot of help in a lot of areas. I think now, John, I do have a quick question, um, you know, and I'm going to parallel off of your expertise covering the Timberwolves um, because their ownership wise, they seem to be very different as far as how the Wolves operate versus how Glenn Taylor has, where Taylor obviously is courtside right there. Mm-hmm. He's very much involved with day to day on the team, whereas the Wolves, they haven't had that guy, <clears throat> you know, other than Spielman to be kind of the eyes and ears in Minnesota while they're here. Are there benefits of kind of doing it that way? I know now football and basketball are going to be two different animals to deal with anyways, but as far as the ownership standpoint, is there a benefit um, of having it be where they are a little distant and then they can look at it more from just an operational standpoint? 
Yeah, I mean, I do think the one thing that they have going for them in their approach and talking to agents of candidates and 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 kind of people who would have interest in this position is the Vikings are a desirable uh, destination right now for a lot of top candidates, both for GM and head coach, because not just because they have some talent on the field and things like that. But the Will family has already established itself as one that's not going to get in the middle of things, not going to meddle, not going to say, no, I want you to draft this player. No, we need to trade for this player. It's whoever they're going to hire, they're going to give them, A, a lot of resources and spend a ton of money. And then, B, they are going to just say, okay, we've hired you. We're going to trust you to do the job, and we're going to give you a long time to do it. It's rare in this league for an executive to be with the team for 16 years. It's rare for a head coach to get eight years when you've only won two playoff games. So, you know, the, um, the, the patience that they have and, and you know, you never have to worry about them being in the headlines. They're not Jerry Jones, you know, getting quoted after every game. They're not Dan Snyder messing around um, and, and being embarrassments off the field. They are very quiet, very supportive owners. And so that makes this a super attractive job on top of the practice facility is unbelievable. The stadium is great. Like there's a lot of things that they have going for them and maybe a division that might not have Aaron Rodgers next year. That's pretty good too. So I just think that when you look at all of the available openings out there, the Vikings have to be right near the top of the list. And so they should be able to get a lot of the interviews with people they want um, and have very few people saying, nah, uh, that's not a position for me right now. On the, uh, so for the listeners, I want to point out that uh, you heard it from John, that patience will be a virtue. You'll have to make sure your Twitter thumbs are patient because if, <laughs> if it's going to take a couple weeks and you see these other teams getting dudes that you wanted, it's going to take a while because they don't do this very often and they want to, you know, be thorough and get it right. Bryant, um, when you were drafted and whatnot, the Vikings kind of, in that era, had a weird general manager set up. They had Jeff Diamond for a while. And then uh, I think Brzezinski was there for vice president of yeah, football operations. But do you, as a player, did you care who the general manager was and how often would you see the dude? Brzezinski, I've seen him a lot. Um, I, and when Spielman got there, I feel like I've seen him around a lot as well. Um, well, you saw Spielman yeah. in your dorm room. <laughs> And on yeah, your mom's answer machine. Actually, I did. Um, so I feel like they were around a lot. Uh, I've seen them. I've seen them a lot, you know, in the facility. Um, did I care? I don't really think I care. I, my main focus was to make sure I just did my job, so I wouldn't have to worry about who they, who they yeah. were. Yeah, one of the. Yeah, it didn't really bother me none. Um, no, it didn't bother me. None. It didn't really concern me about who the GM was. I think towards the end here, at least the vibe that's given off, maybe it's more Zimmer parts feel when it seems like allegedly they kind of just walked around with their head down and, you know, just went about their business in a Parcelsian way. Did, did was, was Spielman personable with you, Bryant? Like, you know, I was a going buddy or was it all business? From like Miami or something like that. So I, I think he felt like that was our connection. Okay. Um, so yeah, he definitely spoke. Um, when we seen each other, he always spoke and everything. And, you know, had a little small talk, whatever. So he, for me, I feel like in that time period, he was a little more personal. Okay. Now, Sally, on the general manager topic, it's kind of, I've been asked this in a lot of Twitter messages, like, who do I want? And I'm kind of like, well, 
they really don't have track records. It's kind of just drawn out of a hat and hope, like John said, you get a cool guy from the Colts who built a real stable organization. Not, not the last two weeks, but in general, uh, Sally, do you have like a, a dark horse candidate or anything? Or are you just, you know, kind of going with the vibe? I really don't. I'm not an elite uh, NFL office mind, <laughs> so I, I'm not going to, you know, get too high or too low on anybody. I think, you know, just like John said, it makes me feel really good about the process that the Wolves are very dedicated to finding the right guy. It's obvious that they want someone who's going to be with them for another 16 or more years. And I think, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are qualified. It's not going to make me nervous or uneasy if some of those bigger names that are being talked about right now get taken because I know that they're going to find somebody that is a good fit for the culture and what they're trying uh, to implement going forward. Um, so I'm not, I'm just nervous about the unknown, not who it's going to be necessarily. Fair enough. Ron, uh, we've talked since we started to see the writing on the wall, the kind of the slow march to Zimmer's termination, which I felt in my bones started to become real when they lost to the Cowboys. I realized on that night on my four hour drive home, that this team ain't it. I had my expectations <laughs> too high. Finally. Yep. Yep. No. And then Daniel Hunter was hurt. And I was like, well, that's <laughs> going to be for the year, no matter what happens. And it was. So I, I realized in that moment, this is probably the end of the Zimmer. And that's how I, I started to write on VikingsTerritory.com that I was like, kind of, we're, we're in a slow march now. And indeed it was. So, and we, you and I, and Sally, we've talked ad nauseum about potential coach candidates. So we know kind of who you want an offensive dude, preferably but now that Zimmer is officially gone and Spielman won't be choosing, uh, you know, the man or woman as the next head coach, do you predict formally that it will be a offensive thinker? Or do you think that Wolves don't necessarily feel that way? It'll probably be a nice guy, you know, if they swing the pendulum the other way. Yeah, um, honestly, I have no clue which way they're going to go because it seems like while it's not a package deal, GM and coach, it's going to be a collaborative effort in getting the GM in place and getting a coach in place where they can be on the same page. Um, now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means, um, you know, quote unquote, a retread coach. I know the names are being thrown out there. Uh, the Doug Petersons, you know, Brian Flores, um, all these guys who um, either recently let go or have, you know, sat out a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my thinking, I'm not sure, really what is the best way to go? Because I, like Sally said, I have no idea what front offices look like as far as who those names are other than what I read um, on various sites. So I'm not going to pretend to act like I know anything about what anyone else is doing outside of the Vikings front office. Um, so until that's in place, I do like the aspect, um, you know, John alluded to it, the Wilfs from a fan standpoint, they do seem like an ownership group that would be a desirable, um, you know, boss to have. So um, I think, you know, in reading whether, I know Chad Graff put out a great article um, about um, like the Vikings being the, probably the most um, desirable spot. And it's nice. I know they're obviously Vikings reporters, but you kind of hear that sentiment around the league as well, because whether New York and all these places that are looking um, the stability is a big question mark, you know, when organizations go from GM to GM, um, I wouldn't want want that if I'm looking yeah. for a new employer. So um, I think they're in a position where they can wait it out at least to let kind of the cream rise to the top. Um, but I also think the Wolves, they're expert business people. I mean, clearly. So um, I trust them to be able to make those decisions. But, you know, again, as a fan, I want them to trust who is in place because I don't want it to be like where when Zimmer hired Filippo as the offensive coordinator, where after a few games, yeah, we don't like this and we're going to throw something else at the wind. So, um, 
I tr- I'll trust the process while it'll be agonizing, not knowing what's going to happen. Um, you know, there's plenty of good coaching candidates out there and, you know, look at Joe judge getting released. And, you know, he was one of those top names of like when he got hired and, you know, I feel like every name that gets hired is, well, that's the next great thing, but um, let's let the, the guys who know what they're doing, I can talk about it from a fan standpoint, but I'm not even going to pretend to to get inside the Wilf's mind or uh, try to give my opinion one way or sure. another when I honestly don't know. On the, the desirability of a job, I think from a roster standpoint, the Broncos are more desirable because um, I think they're going to be guns a-blazing. Peyton is for a stable quarterback, whether it's Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, blah, blah, blah. But then uh, I think I I commented something on social media about that, and Matt Anderson brought me back to earth. I've, I forgot that the ownership is so in flux with Denver, so that might not be ideal. And it's the inverse with the Wolves. It's pretty much, you know, laissez-faire, do what you want, and that's like a dream for an executive. So, John, if indeed – the Vikings hire a coach with previous experience, whether it's Peterson or Flores, that would be the first time the Wills do so. Do you think that they would give that a shot or continue on the coordinator bus? Or is it impossible to say without the identity of the general manager? Yeah, I do think like what Mark Wolf said earlier this uh, week was that they're going to hire a GM first and then hire the coach. And so it really does depend on who they hire as a GM in terms of what the available uh, name is going to be for a head coach, because I do think that once they hire that GM, whoever they hire is already going to tell them, I think I can get coach X or coach Y. It's not going to be, well, I got to interview 15 people. It's like, here's who I have. And they're going to either give that the thumbs up or the thumbs down. I mean, I do think though, that, um, a guy like Doug Peterson, I think he is a, guy who's pretty high on on the list of of preferences in terms of has one has a, a an innovative kind of offensive approach i think his demeanor is certainly a, a lot different than mike zimmer um and and so uh if it would not surprise me if whoever is hired as the gm maybe comes in saying i can get either whether it is Doug Peterson or someone else who they prefer as a coach and say that that's the way that I'm, that I'm going to roll with it. But it, you know, I'm not a betting man. I'm terrible at, at doing this, <laughs> uh, this kind of forecasting and stuff. But if I were to place money down, I think, you know, I think Doug Peterson would be the, the where I would put my money right now to see that who ends up at, on the sideline. Okay. I got to ask you, you said 20 years you've been doing this um, in these interviews. Maybe you don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to try here. Will they point blank say to the man or woman, what was your opinion of Kirk Cousins? What are you going to do if you get in here? Yes. Will, they, will they be that direct in the interview? hundred percent. Okay. And if they don't, if they don't, that's malpractice. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. th- th- there's no possible way that cannot be like one of the major, major uh, points of discussion with any general manager candidate is what would you do? And maybe yeah. it's not necessarily that they have decided we have to move on from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you have to trade him or anything like that, but whoever they have to hire has to have a plan of how to go forward at quarterback. And it could be, Hey, we're going to keep Kirk cousins and I'm going to make these changes to the offensive line. I'm going to make these changes schematically. And we're going to do, you know, that we're going to roll with it that way. I would say because Mark Wilf said this week that they don't, he doesn't want to do a full rebuild, like a teardown and rebuild. I, I would think, 
you know, maybe a lot of Vikings fans don't want to hear this. I would think there's a chance, a greater chance that Cousins is back because of that. Um, if you don't want to tear down and and kind of start over um, and, you know, and trade Cousins and get some picks and, and then eventually get some cap relief and then hopefully go into 2023 draft, you know, in the top five or six and, and go after a stud quarterback. Well, then, you know. I mean, is Gardner Minshew your guy? Like, are you going to go find someone like that and, and try and make it work? I don't know. But um, absolutely one of the most important discussions that they're going to have with any of these guys is what in the heck are you going to do at quarterback and how is that going to help us next year and then going forward for the next three or four years? Otherwise, why are you even having a search like this? Okay. I think well, one of the things too, where um, like, I think we as fans kind of always forget it. It's a job interview for everyone as well. So if like, for one, they have to want the job. So while they might like, you know, Lewis Riddick, for example, maybe interviewing for a lot of places, he has to find the place that's best for him. And they, he has to have the plan for each individual spot, what it is just like, as we interview for jobs, what we're looking for. So I think that gets lost in the shuffle a lot, but also um, from the ownership standpoint, as they're conducting these interviews, and this John, this question specifically for you and your experience, do, do sometimes they ask these questions and meet with these individuals who have had these positions in the past to kind of calibrate their own thinking, like to kind of just like, Hey, we're going to get as many qualified candidates in here basically to see what it is that we actually want, or do they, you know, like Doug Peterson, you know, Super Bowl winning coach, is that like, you know, we view him as maybe a potential front runner, but would they just want to meet with them because, well, what are your thoughts on this organization where they're at and how you we mean, can like move pick it forward? Their brain? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. kind of figure out who, which direction they want to go based on other people's or outside opinions. Like a teacher when they told you to use the test for answers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I, I think absolutely, Ron. Like, um, uh, especially with this group that's going to be leading the search. Andrew Miller is a new CEO. He's only been here a few years. He came from baseball. I think he's a really knowledgeable guy, but I, he's not like one of those guys who's been in the NFL for 20 years. And and so um, I do think that part of this process for them will not only be interviewing their candidates on, hey, what would you do? Um, but there, I think the question will also be asked, hey, what do you think of the Vikings? When you look at, you know, who we are and what we've accomplished and what we have, like, what are your unvarnished thoughts? And so um, they will take that feedback and and, and they should take it and, and, and really look inward with it. And maybe there's going to be some guys who say, oh, this is a fantastic situation and blow sunshine up their ass a little bit and like try and get it that way. But you hope to find a couple of candidates who say, you know what, uh, you really messed up here, or, you know, the, uh, this is a problem that needs to be addressed. And if you don't, you're not going to be going anywhere. And I think that that will help educate them on who the right person is, but also who, uh, also what issues they have to address that maybe they aren't, aren't even giving you know, the, the, the right priority to, to, to all of that. So there, there will definitely be another layer to this search that is kind of a self-scout and and just a look in the mirror time for them too yeah bryant uh let's 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 get wacky for a second uh you're 42 years old you're still playing left tackle for the vikings you're like the uh the whitworth andrew whitworth um 
and your hard-nosed defensive disciplinarian coach has just been terminated and you're, you know, you play offense. Are you want to get on this trend of seeing a young energetic dude, you know, who knows offense like the back of his hand, or don't you really care? Do you just want the best leader of men? Um, I probably want somebody I'm on offense. So I probably would want somebody <laughs> on the offensive side to, uh, you know, help make sure that we are getting, you know, things together on that side and, you know, energetic, bring some new uh, um, fresh energy here and get everybody, you know, to buy into the system and try to rally around that. Okay. So that, that would be what you're, what you described is the anti-Zimmer. It's an offensive. An anti-Childress du- also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more Ticean, Ticean than anything. <laughs> and it doesn't surprise me because that's your favorite coach. So cool. All right. So that, that's our segue. Um, the cousins, the cousins topic, because, that has drastically changed, Sally, since we last talked. Because I think if we would have, you know, done a straw poll, we would have bet that Zim- or Spielman stays within the organization. And since he made the transaction to get Cousins, he probably still believes in him and wants to ride this thing out for a year or two more. That's completely in flux now. So all the rumors we heard about Cousins of the Saints, the Broncos, blah blah blah, Steelers—they're probably in play. So I know that you. You think that Cousins can be an apt passer when he has an offensive line that's worth the damn? Lo and behold, we have not. So what is your temperature right now? Do you want to try it if, if you can be assured that the offensive line will look sexier? Or are you are you going to do the patch over dude and the rookie and blah, blah, blah? Well, that's the thing, Dustin. Um, what signs do we have that this offensive line is going to get any sexier ever? Well, Especially in the next well, because Spielman's one, gone. Two, three and years. <laughs> there's got to be a human that knows football better than me that works for them and says yes. like, "Oh, yeah, well, look at this. Yeah, this. I know what's wrong here because I can do it. They want to call me. I'll do it." <laughs> there's no longer the 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 coaching hard ons for um for Dakota Dozier and Oli Udo um to, to continue to, <laughs> yeah. to get reps over uh, a, a potential promising rookie. So I guess what I'm saying there can't be somebody this stupid who doesn't realize this. I'm gonna say I, I'm hoping the Wolf say yeah the other guy would love him to death but he didn't get the <laughs> offensive line. I'm hoping that the guy's like yeah we'll go out and get Brandon Scherf. This is simple. So assuming that it gets to subpar offensive line pass protection, they're pretty decent run blocking. Um, do you want to see Cousins again, or would you rather scrap it and you know have Peterson or enemy do the thing without Cousins? I just don't know how realistic it is in, to, in one year to fix an offensive line to the caliber that Cousins needs it to be to be successful. I just don't see how in one season you're going to make a tremendous difference at at offensive line. I don't. So for me, I mean, while there are definitely benefits in keeping him gun to my head, I would just rather move on. I don't think that this experiment has been successful enough in four years. And I think it would take them at least two years to make big changes to the offensive line. So I would rather them not extend him and go down that road and tie up a bunch of money because there's a lot of areas of need here. Um, I would like to know John's opinion though, in how, likely it is that the Wilfs would even have that stipulation when hiring someone of no, 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 you can't touch cousins contract or anybody for that matter, because I would feel like that you're kind of tying someone's hands behind their back before they even get started. If they don't have the flexibility to make decisions like that. Yeah. I I don't Sally, I don't think that there's going to be preconditions at all, you know, from the, from the Wilfs on that. I don't think that they're going to go into it and say, the only person we're going to hire is definitely going to keep Kirk Cousins and go this way. I, I think that what they'll, what they're going to do is interview a bunch of different people 
and probably hear two, three, four different plans and like see which one makes the most sense to them. If it comes out to it, if, you know, like I, I personally think that there is a real case to be made to say, look guys with where we're at um, and, and the talent that we have and the age of some of these guys and, and everything, maybe the best thing to do is take a step back in 2022 and, you know, have one difficult season and then try and, you know, come back in with picks, you know, at the top of each round instead of, you know, in the middle to the bottom, because the, the one of the things that's been very admirable about Spielman and Zimmer is they've never been terrible. Like they've never, they've been consistently competent the whole way through. And so that's, that's an admirable thing. Ask the Jets, ask, you know, a lot of these teams that have struggled for a long, long time, the bills are just coming out of it and stuff. But the problem is, is that be, when you are that competent, you're picking right in the middle and you're not getting <laughs> the swings at the super premium guys. And so, um, you know, I think that a, a, an inventive pitch to the Wilfs will be, hey, we're going to come in and we think the one thing to do is what, you know, uh, is do a, a Brock Osweiler type deal where we're going to attach a little something to Kirk Cousins, move him away. We're going to start some journeyman in in 2022 and then um, or maybe even just give it to Kellen Mond for a year and see what you have and then probably lose a bunch of games but then come back with some cap space come back with some uh, high draft picks and really start rolling in 23. Um, I think there's a good case to be made there whether the Wilfs have the stomach for that and want to do that I'm not sure it doesn't sound like they do but um, I, I do think that they will at least consider all the angles when they uh, when, when they're interviewing these guys. And I you mentioned it. Brock Os. Sorry, Justin. Um, you mentioned Brock Osweiler, and like I would have to imagine that if they did do something to unload Kirk, they're not going to have to attach a whole lot of capital to that because no. it is a one-year deal. Whereas Osweiler, Osweiler still had what three, four years or so on that. Right, and um, and also Kirk is Goff. still a really good quarterback. So. Right. Uh, in the right system, you can sell like to Pittsburgh. You could sell if if Ben, if assuming Ben is retiring, you could sell to to Denver, like George Payton. Like if he if he can't get Aaron Rodgers, if he can't get Russell Wilson, if if he strikes out on a few of those others, like Cousins could come in and raise the floor of any team by a a sizable margin. The the, the thing with Osweiler that why they had to attach such big sweeteners is that he just wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, and and so. Um, so there, there, there is that now, yeah, again, you have to take the big cap hit when you, when you make that, when you make that deal. Um, but it is something that they should at least consider. And there, there very well could be, um, some really good ideas to hold down the fort and to keep Kirk cousins and to be productive because the other thing that we haven't really talked about yet, guys, is that what if they, the, whoever is the new coach whether it's Doug Peterson, the enemy, Dabble, whoever you want to say, what if they just come in with either themselves or with an offensive coordinator that isn't a first-time play caller son of a of, of a guy? Like, <laughs> do you think that might work on? Like, is that something to explore at all? Like, um, and so like it's possible that somebody might come in where the head coach doesn't have their thumb on the scale and say, you better run it this many times or else I'm going to be jumping your ass. Like, 
And, and, and maybe Kirk thrives in a situation like that. Maybe you add one offensive lineman and in a, in a different system, um, it can be more productive that way. You still have great, great skill position players. Irv Smith's going to come back next year. Like you have Thielen, you have Jefferson, you have uh, uh, Smith Marset looks really good coming in. KJ Osborne, Dalvin Cook, like you have things to work with. So maybe there is some system uh, fit issues that could come in and solve a lot of these problems as well. And I think that part, uh, like to Sally's point with fixing an offensive line in one off season, that could be part of it. The play calling, I feel like didn't do Absolutely. any favors. It goes back to the Norv Turner days where we had no offensive line, but he wanted to do seven step drops every, every sure. single time. And uh, so I think the, I think the talent is there. Like, you know, um, obviously O'Neal's a staple. Um, Ezra Cleveland, I, I thought showed um, a lot of promise and then Darisa, um after he got healthy. So I think you have three key pieces, um, you know, now whether Bradbury and, um, you know, the right guard spots, um, however that works out. But I think if you got 60% of your line squared away and they're, you know, young, but talented, um, I think that is a good, a good spot to be in, um, you know, at least looking at it from the outside. Uh, but then also again, Sally's point, with uh, like the the coaches coming in or and looking at it and if they want to trade cousins um, or you know whatever they want to do, um, I, the way I see it, the Vikings have kind of two ways to go about it. Either if someone comes in like, look, I like I don't want to be t- attached to a Daniel Jones or you know a Tua and have my future based on the unknown. Like, look, we have a guy who's in his early thirties who can play. Let's fix it around it. At least get us to a point where we can then develop a young guy. Um, that's one way, but then another way you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger. We, the Vikings may also be in a situation where they can leverage the two AFC North teams because Stefanski, I'm sure if they had Kirk cousins, they might be a Super Bowl con- their favorites with that offensive line and running game. Um, and if you then tell them that, well, we're going to trade Kirk to Pittsburgh, there could be some internal fighting going on as far as, uh, um, you know, who wants them more. So, um, which again, I'm on the keep Kirk train, but, uh, if that happens, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be too upset. John, yeah, what do you, I, yeah, go, go, ahead. Idea. go ahead. What do you say to a guy like myself or Ron, who we have scars on our body from the pre cousins era and the pre Dante <laughs> era. I do too. No, no. It, here's where I'm going with this, where, we don't the Vikings do not do quarterback continuity. You say we were going to try Gus Farad. Hey, and then we're going to draft Taurus Jackson. Didn't work out. Yay. And then you get, you've catch lightning in a bottle once in a while. And then you finally find a dude who like a religion throws 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. And some, some of us fans, we assume that we're going to go find the other guy to do that. What do you say to a guy like myself that says, like, for once, we have the continuity, the production, and now we want to go back into the great unknown and hope we do things right and get the right patch over guy? Do you think that is worth the risk to go find our Mahomes or what what, what have you? Well, I, I do think that it's definitely a risk. Like, let's put that out there. Um, it, 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 it's a risk to fire Mike Zimmer. It's a risk to fire Rick Spielman, two guys who had who were competent at their jobs and 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 ha- had the team in a position every year where they're at least in that eight, nine win range. And, and so there is always a chance that the next GM could be Dave Gettleman. There's always a chance that the next coach could be Joe Judge or Urban Meyer, you know, and just flame out and really set you back. There's a chance that you move on from Kirk Cousins and go draft the next Christian Ponder, you know, like, like that, that is absolutely something to consider. I think that some fans just kind of get all swept up in, 
it change for change's sake. And as long as we get rid of these guys, automatically the next person that comes in is going to be an upgrade. And that often is not the case. So yeah, there is risk that is involved in this. But I do think that um, if you are of the mind that you're kind of tired of being in the middle, that you just are worn out by eight and nine now, (laughs) you know, 10 wins and getting blown out in the playoffs. And you know that you're just not good enough. Like, let's Mm -hmm. face it. Like this team has just not been good enough for the, for the last four or five years um, that it's probably worth taking this swing, right. Mm -hmm. Both from the leadership front office and coach. And then if you decide to move on from Kirk cousins, it might be worth just taking the swing because you kind of know what you have with all of those guys and you know how far you could get. And so, uh, yeah, you might fall back, but there's also a chance that you find the next, maybe it's Mag Jones, maybe it's Lamar Jackson, maybe it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's somebody like that who comes in and really galvanizes. Maybe it is Mahomes or something like that and galvanizes. And can you imagine like the Viking faithful if you ever landed on something like that with like you said all the scars that you all carry mm-hmm. like <laughs> all of that struggle and all that suffering that if you actually got that like you remember the far veer like how mm-hmm. fun that was absolutely and and, and and so like i do think that you you think about that and you say all right you know we've done the the nine and seven we've done ten and six we've done um you know even the 13 wins but then getting thumped like is it time to try and really go for it? And I think that's what they're trying to do here. Whether it works out or not, I don't know. But I just get the I, I get the sense that people are ready to take that risk right now. It hit a boiling point or inflection point for me after that aforementioned Cowboys loss when Chris Carter tweeted, oh, "We're so content with mediocrity, it sucks." Yeah, and yeah. and and that is my you know if I'm if I'm ranking my favorites, Chris Carter is my my second favorite behind Bryant McKinney um, of all time. And so <laughs> Brian, Brian, I want to ask you, I think I've heard your answer before because out of all of the cool guests that you've brought on, um, you know, from Warren Sapp to Devin Hester, I, I tried to wiggle in their opinion of cousins because it's a, a hot button issue. And unsurprisingly, the, the responses were mixed. So how much now that, you know, you're, you've left the game, um, but you know, you still f- follow it pretty intently, especially on the Miami side. How how accountable for a franchise and for wins now is a quarterback? You know, is it do you perceive it through a lens of quarterback wins, or do you still have the the team aspect because you know you were the left tackle? Um, because I think we've been taken into quarterbacks like it's tennis, wins and losses. And I want to know if you share that vibe. Um, just being around some quarterbacks, some quarterbacks can really control the game. They, they know how to control the clock, they know how to win a football game, if you really look at, like, Tom Brady, he can leave from New England to go to Tampa and kind of almost in a GM sense, uh, you know, tell them what he requires to win, <laughs> wins the Super Bowl. So a, a quarterback, if they're vocal and, you know, believe in themselves, because, like, I also played with Ryan Tannehill in his Miami days, and he was more or less following instructions, um, basically what they told him to do and didn't really play. He's now, I can tell he's playing and using mm-hmm. his athletic ability where there it was, I'm just going to do what they say because I don't want to be in the meeting room later on and they're yelling at me about, you know, just doing, you know, just using my athletic ability sometimes. Um, so it really depends on the player. 
You have some players who, like, I'm going to say Brett Favre, when he came, he just was like, this is what I do. And <laughs> y'all, everybody's going to buy into what I do. And, I mean, him and Chili had words at times. And it just is what it is. He knew how to win games still, too. He knew how to pull, pull them out. So it really depends on the individual. I think with Cousins and Zimmer, like, <clears throat> it's either a mixture or either Zimmer was so much of a prick that Cousins couldn't even really – do anything or command the offense or mm-hmm. cousins doesn't have that, that voice. And it's probably a mixture of both because when we, but heard- that's the big thing is that you have to have that voice. But when you have that voice and that confidence, the rest of your team is going to have confidence in you too. Yeah. There was a, I don't remember the game. Was it against the lion? There was a game, a home game where we found out that cousins wasn't allowed to call timeouts. And, you know, we were like, Jesus, like, you know, like really this guy is, you know, making, this much money and he can't call simple timeout. And I think that was another point where we're like, my goodness, this, this guy, this guy does rule the roost Zimmer I'm speaking of. So um, on the, uh, the topic of wholesale change, I think Sally, I think right now it's, it's clear and evident that Anthony Barr will not return, even though he had a a year that had some spectacular plays that were later squandered. Um, So I think we can check him off the way that he's speaking as he's gone. But Sally, who do you think played their last game for the Vikings against the, the bears there? Oh God! There'll be a bunch of them with these one-year yeah, deals. Put me on the spot. I'm, was, I mean, obviously, I mean Patrick Peterson for sure. You don't think he's um, back? I don't think he's back. I mean, he's got a side gig with PS fives that he's got to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I that obviously was um was unfortunate that he got hacked selling PS fives during the game. I, I don't think he'll be back. Um, Gosh, who else is on a one-year deal? I, I Xavier Woods, maybe. Xavier Woods, yeah. Um, I would like to see Xavier Woods back. I hope that they can figure that out. Because, God, who's going to be in that secondary otherwise? Um, maybe Hamilton Mackenzie Alexander, obviously, we will be gone. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so it's the, one, it's, pick up my it's the one-year deals, Ron. Um, who else? Maybe, maybe even surprising ones, if this GM is going to start. Well, I would say, too, it's either Irv Smith or Conklin. I don't see them keeping both no conklin is one i should have said at the opening of the segment here because yeah he'll get he'll get a nice little chunk of money because he's pretty good that one see that one actually kind of scares me a little bit because yes we all the irv smith potential is there we've all seen it but tyler conklin came in and he he played phenomenal he did everything you needed um and are we again not disparaging Irv Smith at all, but are we sure that Irv Smith is better than Conklin at this point? No. Um, that would be, that, that's the one thing that I, he is, he's got the mm-hmm. speed, uh, but I feel like whenever Conklin was put in a spot to, to ask to be, do, to do something, he, he excelled at it. So, um, but the one that I think that could be a surprise um, and it's just because of availability, Michael Pierce, um, you can't pay a big free agent acquisition that much and have him miss so much time while he, when he's 76% on the field of games, 76% yeah. of Vikings games, he missed. When he's on the field, he's one of the best nose tackles in the game. Um, the numbers don't lie on that. So, although some people still think stats are uh, what what was the word that Sage Rosenfels used? Oh, today? Yeah. stats are are uh, yeah. They both are, use the word lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that was funny, but uh, yep. um, but with I mean, Michael Pierce. <sighs> Refresh my memory. Does that COVID year that he took off last year just take a year off his contract, or is that just a voided year with an extended nope. year? It was added on, from what I remember. Like you know, Made we get it. we get an, we get an extra year of him, okay. but in our minds, you know, because he didn't play, he was signed, supposed to be the big Linval replacement, right. and he's been on the field twenty four percent of the time. I mean, we're not knocking him; it's just the way it worked. 
Yeah. So I think that I, that that would be the big one that stands out to me. Um, but I do want to take like one step back, um, mm-hmm. back to Kirk, as we were talking about it, because <laughs> one of the things that I was thinking about is, and I'm not saying it's going to have the same success, uh, but when Andy Reid took over as the Kansas City coach, he traded for Alex Smith and Alex mm-hmm. Smith, like the way they utilized him, I can see Kirk or a new regime kind of doing that model of, hey, we're going to roll with Kirk, but then maybe draft and or find a guy, draft and develop like they did with Mahomes. And now, again, the results will be what they are when it happens or if and when it happens. But I think that could be for those people who aren't on the Kirk train because we've discussed this in the past. He's not going to be back at the $45 million cap hit. Like that's just not going to happen. It's either going to be a trade or a restructure. But I think that's something that if I were someone who disliked Kirk, like think about it that way that you can still identify and draft someone while you have stability at the position and then set yourself up that way. Don't be like the Seahawks and throw a bunch of money at Matt Flynn after one game and then draft Russell Wilson and then cut Matt Flynn. Um, so, cause either way, a bridge quarterback is going to cost you $15 million um, on a free agent deal anyways. So just uh, again, the step, but otherwise Kirk is obviously another one who could potentially play yeah. this last game. John, who else is out off that list? Should we get them all? Um, you know, I think those are probably the major ones. I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, it, 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 is Bradbury like will will a new GM come in and just say, "Hey, look, it, this isn't it. Like, I'm going to bring my own guy in." It's a fabulous receiver, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Conklin replace him the tight end if, if Conklin is gone. Make him the backup tight end. Um, but uh, you know, somebody like I could see like a lot of times when a new GM comes in and they're not as beholden to their, to their draft picks and things are not as invested in that. It's a lot easier for them to say, Hey, Garrett Bradbury, you're not, you're, you know, you're not good enough. I can find another center in the fourth round or the fifth round and, 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 and plug them in. So, um, so that might be another name that I would add uh, to the list, but I think otherwise, you know, of the notable ones that that sounds like we covered it pretty well. What's Madison's deal. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I don't think he's up. Um, he's got one more year. Yep. He might have one more year, but 19, then, you know, 20, 21. Yep. One more. Well, let's trade yeah. him. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you, if you're looking for assets like that, that would actually entice other teams, maybe, you know, maybe someone like him would, because you have, you know, Wang Wu behind him, And I mean, he's an interesting guy, like all pro I've said it before, yeah. like he, he should have had the Cordero Patterson rule. Like do not ever take a touchback. Like take Especially it out against time. Green Bay. Like Wait, I, your quarterback's I just not, not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't understand why they were more aggressive with with him doing that. But um, yeah, there. I mean, there could be little or, or smaller moves like that. But uh, um, but I mean, you know, I, I think they have a lot of a, a lot of the guys will come back, and I mean, their core players probably, you know, mo- most if not all of them will be back, and then it's just about finding role players around them to, to okay. better fit what they have. Some depth, some much needed depth. Yeah, and that's uh, that's all pro Canadian Wangu and all pro all pro Eric Kendricks with a with a su- surprisingly subpar sixty PFF grade. Got an all pro nod, but we'll take it. Kind of a Xavier Rhodes treatment from twenty nineteen. Yeah, about yeah. Jefferson some, getting snubbed. How yeah, they the they put Chase happen? over him. They, they 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 preferred Chase's three touchdowns, like three additional touchdowns. Chase yep. had four good games and twelve average ones, and. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, he wasn't very happy about it with his tweet. No. All right, Sally, <laughs> what do you got for us tonight? Take us away. 
Well, I don't even, I mean, I was, I feel like we should keep going with these hot button topics, but um, I guess I'm wondering if John has any more spicy stories about BMAC <laughs> in the locker room. Oh, there are some, there, there's some stories that have around. I, I don't know if the public uh, sharing of them is, is, is wise of me to do right now, but um, I will say that um, Tom West, who BMAC knows very well, uh, and I, <laughs> swap stories all the time um about him because we just always would whenever we talk about it, we we get smiles on our faces because i mean just a huge huge dude but who always had a smile on his face and was always kind of just quietly having fun and we enjoyed being around him and we've heard you know the stories of confrontations and things that would happen in locker rooms and stuff like that and um, and, and we, we always kind of one on the tough days on the beat and stuff, when we need a little, a little break, you know, he and I will kick back and say, Hey, you remember when, when Brian did this, or do you remember when, when big <laughs> Phil did that or something? And it, it was a good era uh, uh, to have around. I, I, I remember one time when, uh, it was, it was a, it was, I still remember it was, it was, it was a, maybe a, a, a preseason training camp practice, something like that. Um, but real recently, uh, this was kind of in the, the early days of TMZ. Um, uh, it, it kind of came out that that BMAC uh, had his way with Shannon Briggs um, uh, outside a club one time. And <laughs> we talked about remember, that with uh, like, Ed Reed. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I came up and I asked him about it just walking off the field. And I'm just saying like, hey, uh, you know, you're going to go for the title now. And and. And, and Brian just laughed and, and thought it was funny, but like all of my other writer friends and journalist friends looked at me and like, how could you ask him that? Wouldn't you get mad? I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's BMAC. He's not going to be mad. He's going to, he's going to have fun with it. So that's the kind of, you know, that I always appreciated, you know, being able to laugh and joke and, and not take things too seriously with him. So Nate Burleson was on like last uh, summer sometime. And he, he said, McKinney's like the, the Suge Knight, like just organizes everyone, <laughs> friends with everyone in a lot. Like yeah. just, um, and uh, yeah, the gentle giant. And uh, yeah, like you've said it right. Per always has a smile on his face, but mm -hmm. I don't know about the, everything is always quietly having fun. Cause sometimes there's some loud fun going on. Too. Oh, oh yeah. Trust me. No, no, absolutely. Usually on a body of water. <laughs> hey, hey John, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you before we, we part ways for the night. Um, was it fun to cover Zimmer and his Parcells-ish Parcells -ish ways in press conferences? Or was that like, oh, we got to go talk to him now? I, I enjoyed it um, because especially the post-game press conferences, because I think as a writer, the frustrations that you have is when someone toes the line and yeah. when someone <laughs> holds back their feelings. <laughs> And Zim never did that. Now, not particularly. Um, there were plenty of times where I disagreed with him. Yeah. Where I, I, I didn't. You know, I, I like, what is he talking about? That sort of thing. But at least I always knew, as a writer, where he stood. And there was no um, politics. There was no, uh, you know, no line, no subterfuge, no, no, none of that. No tap dancing with him. He laid it all out there. Now, there were times where he really crossed the line. I thought the Kellen Mond thing was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> you, you just can't say it. You can't say that about a player uh, publicly, especially a young one, and expect to, you know, expect to not have any blowback. Um, 
So I thought that there were times where he went way too far, but at least again, like as to get material to, to understand the subjects that you're covering, you never had any guesses about what was on his mind or the way he thought. And so that, that way I always very much appreciated it for sure. Okay. Wonderful. Plus um, a post game. Anytime Chris Thomason is there, you know, something <laughs> juicy is going to go down. Well, and that's, that's the one thing, like I would say, like if I were to critique Zimmer, um, it's clear that he obviously did not like Thomason at all. Now I've had these David Breland. situations too, where maybe I didn't get along with the head coach I covered or something like that. And I think like the, the head coach, when he snaps at a reporter, like really feels like, yeah, I'm going to get him or um, I'm going to show this guy. And what it, what they don't understand sometimes is they often end up just looking bad themselves. Like, and I think that, you know, even if some people didn't like the way that Thomason did his business or, or, or anything like that, um, you know, when fans see that and watch it in the press conference, you, some of them I'm sure are looking at that and saying, man, what's this guy doing? Why is he being such a dick? And, and that only hurts Zimmer. Like that doesn't hurt Thomason. Like nobody gives, uh, you know, whatever about, about him and about, about his, his whole thing. So like, um, yeah, Thomason doesn't even care. No, God bless him. He just like goes at it. He does not care at all. There's no bedside manner with him. There's none of it. And that's fine. Like I have respect for that, but like, but it coach coaches sometimes think that the only people watching the interaction are those people in the room and then fans watch it around and kind of pick up on it. They, there can be this kind of can, you know, conveying a, not having control of the situation. And sometimes that doesn't work in their favor. Especially because you never really see the guy who's asking it. So it's like, he's <laughs> like being Charlie mean Brown's to the parents. camera. Yeah. He's being yeah. like, you're being rude to this anonymous guy on the camera. So I'm with exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, John, we are out of time. We appreciate you going the distance. It'd be cool if uh, Sally could hook you up maybe around draft time or something like that. Cause you were extremely insightful, sir. Oh, I appreciate having me. It's great to, great to see you all. Always great to see Bryant as well. And so uh, I'd love to come back anytime. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, we'll be back next week, maybe with the general manager. Probably not, but we'll break it all down. And again, John, thanks for joining us. You got thanks, John. All right. Yeah, take it easy, you, you guys. Bye, Bryant. Later, Bryant. Have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.